I don't know if you have been into garage sailing, but uh, early in our marriage, Lindley kind of got into going to garage sales every once in a while. There are some things you definitely do not want to buy at a garage sale, right? One of those things, just let me give you a tip. You do not want to buy a 500-piece puzzle at a garage sale. (laughs) Don't do it. You will not be glad you did. You know, sitting in your kitchen at the, at the table there, putting together a big puzzle as a family. Have you done that before? It can create a lot of fun, excitement. You're there at the table. You're getting excited about getting all the straight pieces in there. And finally, when somebody gets that last straight piece and you got the whole border done, it's like this mini micro celebration. And from that point forward, as you find pieces, people in the family are saying, hey, I got one or I found another piece or I'm looking for this piece. And you have all these experiences going on as you put that puzzle together. You get a piece 490. Excitement is building, 494, 496, 97, 98, 99, and you realize there is no piece 500. That's the worst moment ever. Because in that moment, you realize that all those little celebrations along the way, all those moments of excitement, every piece that you put in the puzzle, all that time it took and energy and effort, all of that fun was completely deflated and made completely meaningless because there was no 500 piece. The reason I tell you that today is because I want to tell you about the final piece in the book of Revelation. Not only do I want to tell you about the final piece in the book of Revelation, I want to tell you about the final piece in the puzzle of life. Revelation chapter 22, we're going to start reading in verse 10. If you've raised kids, you've probably had one of those moments in raising kids where you felt like it was a forever kind of thing? When you got three little ones running around and diapers and pull-ups up to your ears? Feels like in that moment it could be forever. And then if you've raised kids, you have those moments when you feel like it went by far too fast. Your kids are graduating from college, they're all getting married and fixing to have kids of their own, and you think, where did it all go? Well, believe it or not, we started Revelation in 2016. And there are moments along the way that you and I both thought this is a forever kind of thing. (laughs) But here we are at the end. And in some ways, it seems like it went by so quickly. And I am grateful for what God has done in our lives. I want to remind you where we started. We started back... In August of 2016, and we talked about our, our approach to this book. And we, we talked about how important it would be for us to approach this book with humility. You remember that? We talked about the fact that we all needed to admit that God is really the only end times expert in the building. And that we needed an approach with humility. I am hopeful that at the end of our journey... We have seen such a picture of Jesus Christ that we recognize even more the need for humility. 
I hope that as we've walked through this book, you have been experiencing an approach to the book that helps you feel like you can dig into this book now and you can read it and make it a part of your life, that you will remember that what we have done week after week is making sure that we put the clear things before the difficult things. That we're actually looking at the difficult things through the lens of the things that are clear. That we're looking at the things that are literal before we look at the things that are figurative. I mean, we can get all mixed up into the figurative stuff, right? But we want to make sure we're looking at the figurative things through the lens of what is literal. We want to make sure that we are seeing the general things that are being portrayed in Revelation before we get lost in all the details. We can see those things much clearly, more clearly if we will look the right way. Remember how we've approached the book. And when you think about where we started, we started at a place where we simply wanted to move to the same camp. Do you remember that? At camp one, from the moment I started reading, I've been reading the book of Revelation. Since I was three years old, I've been reading Revelation. I know everything about it. Camp one. Remember that? Camp two. I've never read the book of Revelation. I don't have a clue what's in it. I don't know that I care about it. I just know we're going to win, right? And then you got camp three, somewhere in between camp one and camp two. And that's kind of where we all were. And what we wanted to do was move to camp four. And as a church family, be in a place where our ambition is simply to see Jesus, to see him to see what he wants us to know about him right now, to hear what he has to say, and to respond to him as a people who want to worship him and worship him alone, a people who want to walk together, and as we walk together, be a witness to the world of the hope that's found in Jesus. We've just wanted to see Jesus in the revelation of Jesus. And here we come today to the final piece in the puzzle of Revelation. Let's start reading in verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near. The angel says to John, don't seal up the words of this book. Make sure that everybody reads it, everybody sees it. John is encouraged to make sure that the churches see these words. This is the vision that Jesus wanted the church to see. And John is encouraged and challenged and commanded, do not keep people from seeing the words of this book. If, if we're going to hear the spirit of that command to John, let me just encourage you. Don't make today the last time you open the book of Revelation. Don't, don't seal it up in your life. Don't forget that the book of Revelation is the final piece in the book we call the Bible. You think of the Bible as a puzzle. And you're putting together the Bible as a puzzle. That last P 
piece that you put into that puzzle makes the picture crystal clear. You can now see what you're supposed to see. And without that final piece, it just doesn't come together. And I just want to encourage you to remember that the book of Revelation, what Jesus wants you to know about him right now, the last picture of Christ that he wanted you to remember before he returns again is the picture of Christ in the book of Revelation. Don't seal up this book in your own life. Every once in a while, just open to the book of Revelation and Turn back in here and read about Jesus and see him afresh. If you open to a passage and you think, I don't know what this is about. I can't remember. Well, we got the sermons online. You can pull one up and you can listen to one. And it will remind you simply to look for Jesus. I don't want anybody in this church family to ever again think, I cannot read Revelation. What a shame it will be if you do not see this book accessible to your daily walk with Christ and necessary for being reminded of who Jesus is and how amazing it is that we're waiting for this Jesus to come back. Don't seal it up in your own life. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 11 through 17. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy still be filthy. And the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha And the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Yesterday morning, a couple of the members of my family, who I will not mention publicly, were needing to be at a certain place at a certain time. I don't know if it's like this at your house, but sometimes in the mornings, when you got to be at a certain place at a certain time, you can find yourself running out of time. You ever had that experience? And when you begin to run out of time, things change. You ever been in a situation where you realize, I'm supposed to be somewhere in 15 minutes, and I have 10 more minutes of stuff to do to get ready, and then I have a 15-minute drive to where I'm supposed to be. Do the math. 
not enough time. And so what do you begin to do? You begin to immediately do the things that must be done in order to get out of the house as soon as possible. So because you believe you don't have enough time to do everything, you immediately begin to choose only those things that must be done in order to get to the appointment. You've been there, right? In moments where we feel like we barely have enough time, we immediately reorder everything that must be done in priorities that follow what must be done first. And we begin to do what matters most first. That's what we do. When we're run out of time, we know that in order to get things done, we have to narrow our focus and do what matters most first. That's the essence of what we're being told right here. Jesus is coming quickly. The, the time should be understood as so short that you shouldn't even feel like you have enough time to change anything about your life. He's coming. And when you recognize that you barely have enough time, you adjust your life and you do what matters most first. Now, when that happens to you in your house, is it like what it is in my house? Do people say things that they have to apologize for later? <laughs> do people do things that later on you think, I would have done that a lot differently had I had more time to think about how rude I was being? <laughs> I do that. When I get in a hurry, sometimes I become rude. I'll say things that later I'll say, I cannot believe I was so impatient. Do you ever do that or am I the only one here? We, we do that sometimes because when we barely have enough time and we do what matters most, sometimes we get frantic and in the chaos we begin to do things that later we really regret. We wish we would have done them better. But sometimes in the rush of things, we just try to do the things that we think matter most and we end up messing it up. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying you better live like you barely have time to do anything such that you always do what matters most first, but you need to do it recognizing that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and that I am in control of everything. You, you, you don't have enough time to afford not to do what matters most first every day of your life. But Jesus doesn't tell us that so we get into a frantic, chaotic craziness. He tells us that so that we will rely on his control of all things. Do you know what he says in verse 16? Look at verse 16. He says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. Do you know why Jesus gave us the message of revelation? Because he is for us. He gave this message for the churches. 
He wants us to see him as he is because he is favorable towards us. Not only isn't God, is God in control of all things, but in God's control, he's controlling all things in favor of the church. Yes, we've got to do what matters most. And when you do what matters most first, but we must do what matters most first, knowing that Jesus Christ controls all things and his control is experienced as his favor towards his people. So what matters most? That's the final piece of the puzzle. You know when you're doing a puzzle and you're looking for all these pieces, you're always looking for characteristics. You know you're looking for that piece with that, with that particular curve on that one end and maybe it's got a small end here and a big end there. Or maybe you're looking for a color. Maybe you're looking for a size. You're always looking for characteristics to find that piece that you're trying to put in that puzzle. Well, this final puzzle piece has specific characteristics. And in this passage, we're giving clues about this final piece in the puzzle of life, without which nothing else matters. Here's our first clue. Verse, look at verse, um, verse 14. What matters most? Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. What matters most? Here's our beatitude number seven. We've had seven beatitudes through the book of Revelation. Great study to do. Look at all the beatitudes in Revelation. Here's the seventh. And the seventh tells us that there is a promised blessing for those who wash their robes. If you remember back in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, we were told that washing robes to make them white happens by washing robes in the blood of the lamb. You want to know what that final puzzle piece is? Here's your first clue. Wash your robes in the blood of the lamb. Look Look at verse 16. The end of verse 16, I am the root and the descendant of David. Jesus talking, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Now that's interesting. Jesus says that he is the root of David. So David actually owes his very life and existence to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the root of David. David sprung forth because of Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God created everything. Jesus is the root of David, but Jesus is the descendant of David. From David's lineage comes 
Jesus, what have we just heard? We've just heard that Jesus said, I am God who became flesh for you. You want to have a picture of that final puzzle piece? Here's a huge clue. Jesus Christ is the God become man so that he might be the bright morning star, our hope for eternity. Are you, are you beginning to see this final puzzle piece come into clarity? Look back at Revelation 22. Look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Have you ever gone into a restaurant? I went into a restaurant not long ago with a friend to order some burgers. He ordered first, and the, the drink that he ordered after he ordered his burger had an effect on me. Normally, when I go to get a meal, I, I most often order water. But this particular day, he ordered something to drink. And when he ordered something to drink, I suddenly realized I was thirsty for a root beer. I did not know I was thirsty for a root beer until he placed his order. But the moment he ordered a particular drink, it made me think, hey, I feel thirsty for a root beer. And guess what I did? What I hardly ever do. I ordered a root beer and I had three refills of root beer. I had no idea I was so thirsty for root beer. And I would have never known I was thirsty for root beer had he not ordered something. God wants you to know the final piece of the puzzle. And so the spirit of Christ is regularly seeking to awaken you to a thirst that you have. And the Spirit of Christ is saying to you, come to Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus. You have a thirst that cannot be quenched. And I want you to feel and know that thirst. The Spirit of God is constantly echoing in the chamber of your heart. Come. You are thirsty. And you have no idea just how thirsty you are. But the Spirit of Christ is not all. It's saying, come. The bride is saying, come. Do you remember what we've seen in Revelation 19, 20, and 21 about the bride of Christ? We had this amazing vision of the new earth and the bride of Christ seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb, ushered into the new city of God in the new earth and experiencing this amazing picture of eternal life, invited to come further up and further in into life and the bride of Christ experiencing the perfection of Christ in the most marvelous of ways. Do you know that the future bride of Christ right here in Revelation is saying to you, don't miss out on what waits for you. You are thirsty beyond your understanding. You need Jesus. The future bride 
is calling out to you saying, this is your future. Don't miss it. This is what you're thirsty for. The future bride in Revelation is not all that's calling out to us. No, let the one who hear say, come. Do you, do you recognize Do you recognize that the one who hears is us, our church? For the last couple years, we've been hearing. We've been seeing Jesus. And as we have heard, we are to say to one another, you're thirsty. You need Jesus. I need him, you need him. Come on, let's go to the river of the water of life and let's drink of this water that does not require us to pay. It is without cost. The Spirit is beckoning us to come to the river. The future bride is beckoning us to come to the river. And our church family who is hearing the call of Jesus is telling each other, come to the river and drink life that's already been paid for. Are you beginning to see this final puzzle piece? Look at verse 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Wow. Back in Revelation chapter 1 where we began, the front bookend of Revelation was in verse 3, the first beatitude. Blessed are those who heed the words of this book. The front of Revelation is a promise of blessing to those who hear the words of this book and respond to the words of this book by doing them. The back end, the, the back book end of the book of Revelation is a corresponding warning. So the book begins with a promised blessing, heed the words. The book ends with a warning. If you do not heed the words, if you add to these, you take away from these, if you do not pay attention to what this book says about Jesus Christ, here's the warning. You will not make it into eternal life. promise of blessing, a warning of judgment. What matters most? Doing the words in this book. That's what matters most. But, but how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do that? Verse 20. 
He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the last picture of the New Testament. The church saying, come, Lord Jesus. Do you know what the last picture of the Old Testament is? It's described in 2 Chronicles chapter 36. The king of Persia, King Cyrus, has God's people living in his land far away from the city that God gave them, far away from the land that God gave his people. And King Cyrus, much to the surprise of God's people, tells God's people, hey, if anybody of you wants to go back home, and rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. I want you to know that I want you to go back. So if you're willing to follow God and go back home and rebuild that city that he gave you and the land that he gave you, then you just get your stuff and you go back and know that God wants you to do that. And that's what happens. The people of God gather up their things. They go back home. They begin to build their city back up that had been destroyed. They rebuild that temple that had been wiped out. And there they are at the end of the Old Testament with a rebuilt city and a rebuilt temple and a throne that is empty. And the Old Testament ends with the people of God, in the city of God, in the land of God, waiting for the king to come. Here we are today, the people of God, in the land in which we were sent to live, to seek to bless so that the land in which we live might see the king upon whom we wait. But this is not our home. We are a people who are waiting for the city that God will fashion and the earth that he will remake and the life he has promised to deliver. We are waiting for the return of our king in a city we do not call home. And we as the church are supposed to say collectively, come Lord Jesus. But do you realize that the only people that can say come Lord Jesus are the people who have found the final piece of the puzzle and put it into the puzzle of life? So that everything now matters. That's the only people. The only people that can say, come Lord Jesus, are the people who have found the final puzzle in the final piece in the puzzle of life. And they put it in the puzzle. That's the only people that can say it. And that clue, that piece is right here in the final verse of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. You want to know how you can say, come Lord Jesus? You want to know how you can do what's written in this book? You want to know how you can order your life because you simply don't have time to do anything other than what matters most? You want to know how you can live under the control of God and see his favor? Here's the answer. Grace. 
It all comes down to grace. If you're here this morning and you've been trying to put that last puzzle piece in the puzzle of your life so that everything makes sense and every piece you're trying just simply won't fit right, I can tell you why. Because the only puzzle piece that will fit to make your life right is the grace of God found exclusively and only through faith in Jesus Christ. The Alpha and Omega has controlled all things so that he might become man and give his life on the cross. And in giving his life on the cross might shed his blood so that your life, your robe, could be washed and made white so that your sins would no longer be counted against you, but instead Jesus' righteousness would be counted for you. And through faith in Jesus Christ, his grace washes over you so that now, no matter what you've ever done, in Jesus Christ's return, you will be able to say, Come, Lord Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he's coming again, and the only way you'll be ready for him is if you trust him as Lord and Savior. You need his grace. I remember when I was a boy, and I recognized for the first time how deep my sin was and how far it removed me from God. Now, as a boy, my sin wasn't heinous to me or the world looking at me. But my sin was as heinous as any sin in the face of a holy God. I needed grace. If you've not come to a place, you've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ, you are not ready for Jesus' return. Receive his grace. There was a time in my teenage years when I wandered away from the Lord. And I was doing things in a way that did not show a great deal of concern for the words of this book. And I was trying some other puzzle pieces in the puzzle of my life. And I discovered that when you go after emptiness, even if you call emptiness by another name, you still end up empty. And I needed grace. And I found that Jesus was always ready to pour out his grace. If you're wandering from the Lord today, I want you to know his grace is real. And his spirit is beckoning to you. Come back to Jesus. His future bride that you're a part of is beckoning to you. Come back and don't miss out on a moment of the sweetness of the grace of Christ. And his church right now is telling you, come to Jesus. It's his grace. You, you ever been walking close with Jesus Christ and spending time in his word and every time you pray you just feel like, man, I'm, I'm seeing the word of God and it's just lighting up my heart and I feel close to him and I feel like I'm walking with him. The sin struggles in my life are less demanding on me right now. I'm in a season of incredible, amazing grace of God and all of a sudden you begin to think things like this. Man, I've been doing so good. I know God's hearing me. I can pray something. I know he's going to answer me. I've been getting it done so well. Things are going awesome for me. I could not. I am just amazed how my life is going right now. I know that I have God's special attention right now because I've been getting it done in my life. I've not done anything really bad in a long time. So I know God's happy with me and you feel good about life. And all of a sudden you have drifted. 
into a position of thinking that you have garnered the favor of God simply because you're heeding the words of this book. You don't get God's favor by heeding the words of this book. You heed the words of this book because you were given God's favor by grace. There's not a time in our life, no matter how well we've been doing, how bad we've done, where the grace of God does not put us all on a common ground. And it's from that common ground and that common ground only that we as the people of God can say, come Lord Jesus. That is the peace that if you don't put it into the puzzle of your life, nothing else will matter. The grace of Jesus Christ be with all. Amen.